Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So we've been talking about the prayer at the Bethel Healing Rooms, and we've been going through that prayer almost line by line. We're going to do a little bit today, but before we do, I'm going to prove to you without a shadow of a doubt that healing is always the will of God. Because your faith will begin where the will of God is known. And if you don't believe healing is the will of God, and if you believe that God put this sickness, this degenerative disease upon you, or, or whatever on you to teach you something, or it's in his will, you're going to stay where you are. Why would you want to get rid of something that's his will? And let me ask you for a favor. If you believe that sickness and disease is the will of God, you are violating his will by going to the doctor. Because... I do have an honorary medical degree. Ask Bob Urington, he'll tell you. He deputized me. <laughs> right, Shannon? Yeah. They don't call me Dr. Ross for nothing. And what that means is I know enough to be dangerous. But I'm just telling you, in the Hippocratic Oath, it is do no harm. Do no harm. Now, I would love that every medical person follow that but I'll tell you what I wouldn't go to one that doesn't do no harm but if you believe that our heavenly father who sent his only son to shed blood to take a scourging stripes to make us well and whole if you believe that God put this on you don't go to the doctor you're totally out of his will but I'm going to prove to you healing is the will of God. How's that? So before we start going through the Bethel, I hope you will listen and listen very carefully. You ready? All right. You're going to reason with me. This is a pop quiz. I'm going to be asking you questions. Isaiah 55, 7 through 11. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now, did you hear that? Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the who? The forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let the who forsake his thoughts? Unrighteous. The unrighteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ. So this is, this is talking to people that are not saved, right? It says, let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. This is not talking to those who have been made righteous in Christ. Just, just read first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. We're new creation, a new creation. We're new creatures. All things have passed away. All things have passed away. Feelings of rejection that I had, being insecure, being fearful, being jealous. Those things have passed away. They're dead. All things, those are the old things they passed away. When I gave my heart to Jesus, they passed away. All things have become new. 
I'm not guilty anymore. I'm not jealous anymore. I'm not insecure at all anymore. Not. I was looking, I found a picture the other day of me when I was 19. Man, I was just gorgeous. I'm just telling you. <laughs> and I just stared at that picture and there I was flawless at the time. But you know what? I've earned every line on my face. I am so comfortable in my skin. I'm so comfortable that my hands, you know, your hands are one of the first things to age. You know why? Because these hands have served well. These hands have laid hands on the sick and seen them recover. These hands have held my babies. These hands have brought comfort and peace. So lost to people. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the years. I'm grateful for them. God's been good to me. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and the Lord will have love, pity, and mercy for him. Who? The wicked and the unrighteous. And to our God, for he will multiply his abundant pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. All right, here's the quiz. Who was he talking to? The unrighteous and the wicked. Is he talking to believers? Do you have any idea how many believers I've heard say, well, you know, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. That is biblical illiteracy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, you have the mind of Christ and you hold the thoughts, purposes, and intentions of his heart. So when you say, well... His thoughts are not my thoughts. You know what you're doing? You're denying the existence of the Holy Spirit in you. Not smart, people. I recently had a prophetic word through someone who does not know me. And that person said, you are a woman of wisdom. You are smart. And I said, yes, I am. You know why? Because I have the mind of Christ. Now, can I deny that? Can I deny that mind and those thoughts? Sure. But as long as I stay in the word of God, I don't have to. Because the word of God is the will of God. I'll prove it to you. All right, here we go. For as the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and return not there again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. How many of you know that's true? Have you ever noticed when we have one of our droughts like last summer, I did get a little concerned because we're still in February and it almost reached 90 degrees yesterday. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I've been praying, Lord, I'm asking you not to give us a summer like last summer. I mean, how many days did we have of 105, 110 degrees? I mean, I thought I was in Arizona. It was bad. But it would rain one day. And what happens? The grass turns green all of a sudden. The flowers lift their heads all of a sudden. Why? It's a law of nature. Rain comes down from heaven and snow. Not here, but other places. And it returns. It waters the earth. And it makes the earth bear forth and sprout. And then we have seed to sow so that we can have bread to eat. Okay. He's going to equate this to the word of God. Ready? So shall my word be 
that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void without producing any effect or useless. Say with me, the word will not return to the Father empty. But, I'm going somewhere, the word will accomplish what I desire. The word will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. All right. So just like rain and snow come down from heaven, water to the earth and return to God. It's a full circle. So shall my word be. It comes from heaven. It comes from God. It comes to our earth. As we speak it out, believe it in our hearts, speak it out of our mouth, it will fulfill, it will accomplish what he sent it to do. And it will return to heaven having accomplished what God sent it to do. Do you get that? All right. You ready? John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word, the Word was God himself. He was present originally with God. Verse 14. And the Word, Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the Father, the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. Where am I going with this? Isaiah 55. Isaiah is prophetically declaring the coming of Christ. So shall my word be. Who is the word? Christ. The word, Jesus, came down from heaven. He walked three years as human. He accomplished what the Father sent him to do, and he returned having accomplished all the Father sent him to do. All right, so let's reason some more. What did the Word do while he was on earth? He healed. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cleansed the lepers. He cast out demons. And then... The word Christ entrusted the same to his disciples. Psalm 107.20, ready? He sent his word and healed you and delivered you from the pit and from destruction. Now, why did I share all this with you? Jesus is the word. The Father sent the word. The word healed he sent his word and healed. He sent Jesus and he healed. The Bible says the, the world itself could not contain the books written of him. Now, of the 20, I think it's 27, 26 or 27 miracles of the Bible, 18 of them, that's only what is recorded, by the way, 18 of them involved healing. He sent his word and he accomplished what he desired, and then he returned, having accomplished. What did we just see? You are the same God. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same. Now, based on this, if you do not believe that healing is always the will of God, why does everybody get healed? I don't know. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. Just make sure you don't have any unforgiveness blocking it. That's, I always look for that. But you know what else can keep us from not being healed? You ready for this? 
wounds. I love Jeremiah 30, 17. I prayed almost every day. For I will, I will restore health to you. And I will heal your wounds. I will restore health to you. And I will heal your wounds. You know what else I love? I'm, I'm speaking to the women now. This is so, I mean, I nearly, I nearly just sent myself to heaven yesterday. I was reading Song of Solomon 4-7. And there's many different translations. But he says, my darling, you are so beautiful. And there is nothing at all wrong with you. Some translations say there's no blemish in you. Some translations use the original Hebrew. There is no spot in you. Now, you know I study, man. I go all the way back to the primitive Hebrew. And do you know what the primitive Hebrew in Song of Solomon 4-7 means? I know you don't, you don't know, so I'm going to tell you. I find no spot in you. The primitive Hebrew in that passage means disfigurement of women. I find no disfigurement in you women. That's how the Lord sees us. The same God. No blemish. You're all together loving. Nothing is wrong with me. I say that every day. Nothing is wrong with me. Nothing is wrong with me. You know, because the enemy's trying to impregnate us with, there's something wrong with you. That's the shame message. You're not enough. Something's wrong with you. You're not beautiful. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You don't measure up enough. My sister, Cindy, sent me, oh, shoot, I don't have it. I wouldn't show it to you if I did. She said, I, I want to show you what AI can do. As we were talking about the dangers that are currently present and are getting worse because of artificial intelligence. I'm not saying some of it can't be used for good, but I'm warning you, a lot of it is demonic and it is out to get our youth. I could tell you some stories now that I personally know that would absolutely send you to your knees right now. Protect your children and your grandchildren. And so she said, let me show you what uh, the big thing now is on AI, on that TikTok. Now, I don't do TikTok. I, I happen to believe all the reports of where it's from and what it does. So I don't do it. And I won't give you my opinion about letting your children. But she said, let me show you the AI filter now. And so she sent me a video of herself using this filter. Now, I'm, she's 61. She looked 13, perfectly, completely believable. Changed the whole shape of her face, completely flawless, changed the shape of her lips, her eyes, everything. I mean, it was just like this stunning, ravishing movie star. But it was false. Artificial. We need to be careful. Watch your children. That's a warning for someone. Don't be afraid to say no. Hebrews 1 and verse 3. Jesus is the sole expression of the glory of God. He is the light being, the outrain, the radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image. Listen, he is the very image of God's nature. 
So that means all that he did in the scripture, all the healing, all the delivering, all the rescuing, all the providing, he is the perfect imprint and the very image of God's nature. So what does that mean? He was reflecting the Father. So those of you, like I used to have, that have, because of whatever your earthly father was or did, I mean, maybe he was the sweetest man on earth, but maybe he was complacent. I'll tell you a story in a minute. He upholds and maintains and guides and propels the universe by his mighty word of power, because he is the word. And when... He had, by offering himself, accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt. He sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high. He accomplished everything the Father sent him to do. And then what did he do? He sat down. Okay, another pop quiz. Why did he sit? He was finished. He sat down because he was finished. Except to pray. I don't sit down during the day. When I sit down, it's because I'm going to pray. When I sit down at night, it's because I'm finished. He's finished. He's accomplished all the Father sent him to do. So I wanted to share that with you. And then we're just going to do a small passage from the, uh, the Bethel. And my goodness, if you haven't been here, go back to when I started this. And I, re- I read the entire, everything they do at the, the healing center. It's just so powerful. So... I'm going to start with, you know, there's a woman who came up to Jesus and she just touched the edge of his clothes. Jesus did not have to look at her and evaluate her life. In other words, he didn't grade her and see if she was worthy or not. I told you the story last week of how I'm not strong in math. I received, in fact, I'm terrible in math. I received horrific punishments growing up because I couldn't understand what X equaled or, or angles or whatever geometry is. I mean, I think unless you're a rocket science or some kind of engineer or math teacher, why do you need it? I mean, that's what calculators are for, to balance your checkbook. And, and so you might remember that I, when I went to graduate, my name wasn't on the list, and then I found out it's because I had only taken pre-algebra at a community college. I never had college algebra. And the dean accused me of forging the signature. So he marched me into the other dean. The other dean looked at it and he said, no, I did sign that. I don't know, I don't know why. But that spoke volumes to me because I did not deserve to graduate. I did not take college algebra. It was a requirement. I did not merit a grade for a class I never took. I didn't earn the right, but somebody else gave me a signature that validated me. That's what the Father did with the blood of Jesus. The Bible says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We have a signature from heaven. We don't earn it, we don't merit it, we don't deserve it, but we are sealed. And the signature in blood of Jesus Christ gains our right to come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I will never stop praising him for that. So he didn't evaluate her life. He didn't see if she was worthy. When faith touches Jesus, 
It's like a pickpocket. It's like a reflexive reaction. Power left him and he healed the lady. So that's what I'm praying for you today, that you would come in with mustard seed faith. It doesn't take a whole lot. And just recognize it's always God's will to heal. God wants you well. Healing is his idea. So let's read the story of the woman with the issue of blood. I'm not going to be long today. Luke 8, 40. Jesus came back to Galilee and the crowd received and welcomed him gladly. They were all waiting and looking for him. Well, I guess so. They knew they were going to get their miracle. And there came a man named Jairus. He had for a long time been a director of the synagogue. And falling at the feet of Jesus, he begged him to come to his house. More than likely, Jairus and Jesus were friends. This was in his hometown of Capernaum. And obviously, Jesus spent time in the synagogue. So he knew Jairus. He had an only daughter, about 12 years of age. She was dying. Jesus went. The people pressed together around him, almost suffocating him. And look what happens. He gets interrupted. And he didn't say, I don't have time for you. There was a woman who had suffered from a flow of blood 12 years. Jairus' daughter was 12 years. This woman had suffered for 12 years. And she'd spent all her living on physicians. You know, I'm told, I just had someone, I met with someone who owns a very, very large, very large medical facility. And I mean, we weren't, I wasn't there for medicine. I was there because I met her at an unexpected place and she fell in love with me for some strange reason. And, and then she just wanted to have, spend time with me. But she was telling me, Sandy, it is so hard now to get insurance companies to even pay for anything. You know, whatever, test, whatever. It, she said, you just can't hardly get them to pay. And I believe we are coming to the place where we are going to be so reliant on Jesus. Guess what? He doesn't charge because he already paid. Have you ever been in line and when you get to pay, they say the person in front of you paid for you? Ever had that happen? Do you go, oh, absolutely not. I insist on paying this bill. We've been in restaurants where the server will come up and say, your bill's covered. Well, who did it? Well, they don't want you to know. I don't go, I insist because I'm going to pay them back. No, you don't do that, do you? You receive it as a gift, right? This is a gift from Jesus. And so she's been all her living on physicians, and she couldn't be healed by anyone. And she came up behind Jesus. She touched the fringe of his garment. And remember what I just wrote, like a pickpocket, pow. And immediately... Her flow of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who is it that touched me? And all were denying it. And Peter and those who were with him said, Master. I love the way they were always trying to rebuke him. I just love it. Because that would have been me. The multitude surround you and press on you on every side. But Jesus said, someone did touch me. I perceived that healing power has gone forth from me. And when the woman saw she not escape notice, she came up trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people for what reason she touched him and how she'd been instantly cured. And he said to her, daughter, he called her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go, enter into peace, untroubled and undisturbed well-being. Matthew records this. Mark records this. 
and the physician. Isn't it funny that the physician, Luke, is the only one who said she spent all her money on physicians. <laughs> the other two never mentioned it. What a humble man. Because even Luke couldn't have cured her. But she made a faith demand. Now, this has been very twisted, especially by some of the movements. That if you don't get healed, there's something wrong with your faith. No, 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 no. If Jesus is in you, his faith is in you. It's not your faith. If you think it's your faith, that's why you're having a problem. It's not your faith. We have one responsibility. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. The author and finisher of your faith. So as we look at Jesus, faith comes. That's why when you read the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Why is that? Because he is what? The word. I want you to see the full circle here. I want you to see why it's so vitally important to your life to immerse yourself in the word of God. And my favorite thing every day is to get my cup of coffee and just to hear his voice. I love it. And every morning, I get daily bread. He wants to give you daily bread. I think it's perfectly wonderful to have your, and I have, I have mine. I have a bound. I think I told you recently, I, I asked my granddaughter, I just want to put, bind up all of my most precious. You know, the Bible says, by these he has granted to you his precious and magnificent promises that by them you may partake of the divine nature. There's no sickness in the divine nature. And I, and I want you to, would you type these up for me? Just when I'm all in a bound thing. And by the time she finished, and I said, could you run them off for me? And she called me, she goes, Mimi, it's 50 pages. I said, okay, we'll just email them to me and we'll just go to Papa's office. And we did, and we bound them there. She said, we don't even have enough toner to do all this. <laughs> and so what am I saying to you? It's great to have all of your divine promises bound or in a box or however you want to do it. But my goodness, that doesn't replace daily bread. Jesus said, give us this day, same day, not someday, our daily bread. And if you remember the story of the Syrophoenician woman, remember her daughter was cruelly demon-possessed. Nobody could help. And when she asked Jesus to heal her daughter, Jesus said, well, I can't take from children's bread and give it to the dogs. In other words... Healing is just for my people. You're not one of my people. You're a heathen. You're a Syrophoenician. Spit on you. And instead of getting offended, this woman said, Oh, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And I love that because you're not supposed to give a dog table food. I know that. But when your dog is sitting there and doesn't blink and stares at you with these big round saucer eyes, what are you supposed to do? And so I literally, I will take crumbs. I can hardly find them. I'll take crumbs and I'll drop them. And every time I do, I remember I get children's bread. I get the whole loaf, not the crumbs. And he said to that woman, oh, woman, great is your faith. And she was healed that very moment. And so remember this. Jesus didn't interview the woman. He didn't grade her. He did not see if she qualified. He did not ask her how many good works she had done. 
She said, if I can touch, I will be healed. And she did, and she was. There are times now, I'm going to tell you this right now, there are times when you need a healing. And you will say, Holy Spirit, and you should, direct me. I know this is your will. I see it in the word. You sent your word and healed me. Direct me into the path of healing. Is it going to be a supernatural healing? Is it going to be a, you're super on my natural? You know, I read a, a testimony of someone who had horrific symptoms. Every, and they were young at the time, in their 20s. Joints were really hurting, aching, horrible stomach problems. And they sought the Lord, you know, Holy Spirit, direct me for the healing. Do I, do I go to the doctor? Do, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit simply said, stop drinking coffee. And he stopped drinking coffee, and all the symptoms cleared up in three weeks. Well, he was drinking 17 cups a day. 17 cups a day. That's a little excessive. I know some of you are going, I'm not giving up coffee. Well, <laughs> so I'm just saying to you, sometimes it's something. I heard another testimony where it was a preacher and the Lord spoke to him and he said, start walking and don't quit. He didn't do it. He ended up needing a, a, a pacemaker. And he said, you know, if I had just done what the Lord told me to do, I wouldn't have needed it. So sometimes he'll just tell you something. Or he might say, you need to drop the grudge you've been carrying for 20 years. I had that happen to me once. I had a grudge I'd been carrying for 10 years. Didn't know I was carrying it or I would not have done it. And you know what? Here's the truth. The, the wrong that was done to me, which had nothing to do with my family, but the wrong that was done to me was genuinely a wrong done to me. But did that justify me carrying a grudge? No. No, it didn't. So ask him, what is my next step? Nothing wrong with that. And his, the Holy Spirit will give you direction. I uh, was li listening to this man. His name is Barry Bennett, tremendous man of God. And he um, had cancer on his ear. And they were going to have to do this horrific surgery. They were going to have to do plastic surgery, reform his ear. I'm going to have to remove all the outer ear. You know, it's horrible. And he was on the gurney getting ready to go in the operating room. And the doctor said, get up. You don't need surgery. And he believed God. God healed him. But years later, he got cancer again. And this time, they gave him days to live. And it wasn't the air either. It was completely different. And this time, the Lord said, you're not going to die, but you're going to go through chemo. And then all the Christians were, oh, no, why did you have to do that? Well, he didn't know. So ask wisdom from God. And get in the path of wisdom, because guess what? The Bible says in the path of wisdom, there is peace. Now, I do want to say one thing, and we're going to close, and I'm going to tell you something so phenomenal. You're going to love it. I want to tell you that, um, well, now let me just do this. This is excellent. I had a, so I told you I don't do TikTok. Well, I don't do 
Twitter, X, whatever it's called now, either. I just think all those things are so time consuming. You know, people just spend hours. I don't have that kind of time to, to give. I just don't. But something cropped up on my email, and it was Joseph Prince. And I was intrigued by what it said. And I don't even know what it said. Oh, I know what it said. Yes, it said uh, five words to get your prayers answered. Something like that. It was five words. And I was so intrigued by it. And so he was teaching from John 13. And it was when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Now listen to me, because this is so beautiful. And one of his disciples, Jesus' disciples, whom Jesus loved. Now you remember this. John was writing this about himself. He was the disciple Jesus loved, and he had that much confidence in the love of God. So one of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining next to Jesus on Jesus' bosom. And Joseph was explaining that this was a position of intimacy. It was a position of complete confidence. Now, I can identify to that when I was a little girl and feeling very unloved and very uncared for. I had an aunt. She was an aunt by marriage. Her name was Dorothy, Aunt Dorothy. And I remember she was a very, very heavy smoker. And I had, and I think I was six years old, and I, it was kind of hard to be around her because she smoked so much. And a lot of people did in the 1950s. I mean, just prolifically, three, four, five packs a day. And... So it was hard to be around her because that smell of smoke. Because I've never been able to tolerate smoke. I just can't. It's not a judgment. My eyes just turn beet red, water my nose. I can't breathe. That's just my body. And, but I remember she came and sat by me on the sofa. And I, I, for some reason, I was scared. And I think I was in trouble. And I still see myself sitting on that sofa. It was black and silver, kind of a tweedish, shiny fabric. And I was in the living room, sitting on the sofa. And she came, and she sat next to me. She put her arm around me, and she pulled me to her bosom. And I laid my head on her chest. And I remember it was probably the most comforted I ever felt. And, you know, I love it. Of course, the boys don't do that anymore, but when they were little, they did. But when my granddaughters will sit next to me, and they just want to lay their head on my chest. And I, I don't think a man can even relate to that the way a woman can, because our, our breasts signify nurture. And so that's what John was doing. He was leaning on the breast of Jesus because they were so close. And, and, and he, he felt the love of Jesus for him so deeply. And so Simon Peter motioned to him to ask of whom Jesus was speaking because he had said, someone's going to betray me. And then leaning back against Jesus' breast, so Peter leaned on the other breast, and he said, Lord, who is it? And Joseph explained, and I did not know this. Remember when Jesus dipped the bread and he gave it to Judas? He said in the Hebrew culture of that day, that was a sign of great favor. Whoever was the first to get the sop of bread dipped in wine was being shown great favor. I didn't know that, did you? And yet, as soon as Jesus did that, 
the Bible says Satan entered into Judas and he went away to betray him because his heart was so wrong. The one leaning on Jesus' breast, John, later wrote these words. He penned these words in 1 John 4. We know and believe the love God cherishes for us. The apostle whom Jesus loved wrote, we know and believe the love God cherishes for us. God is love. And he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God. And God dwells and continues in him. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us. That we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Rick did a powerful message on overcoming fear this weekend. There's no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. We love because he first loved us. So the apostle who leaned on the breast of Jesus in complete intimacy wrote, God is love. And he who dwells in love dwells in God, and God dwells in him. Because you know God loves you, and you're not afraid. And even if you have sickness or disease in your body, you are so assured of his love that you're not afraid. And this is what Joseph said that was so impacting to me. He said one day he was praying, and the Holy Spirit told him these five words. That when he prays, when he asks something of the Lord, ask him, for instance, Lord, heal me, these five words, just because you love me. Just because you love me. Now I want to add to that, not because I'm good, not because I've done everything right or never done anything wrong, not because I've served you, you know, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I've given all I have to feed the poor. I've given my body to be burned, but have not love. You're nothing. Lord, heal just because you love me. Lord, provide that these bills may be paid just because you love me. Lord, grant my husband and my children your favor and your protection just because you love us. Lord, restore this nation just because you love us. You see, we unconsciously base so much on our good works and how good we are. It's not about that. It's about love. Just because you love me. And I read that and I went, it's so easy. We've made it so hard. So if you don't have to go pick up your children because of early release, I want you to do something. I just want you to get in groups. And whatever your need is today, ask the Father and say those words just because you love me. just because you love me. Lord, thank you that you love us so much. And thank you that your love cast out fear. 
It opens the door of our heart and casts it out. And I ask you, Lord, today that any hindrance, any trouble, any affliction, all infirmity, all sickness, all disease, all degeneration, that your love will drive it out of the bodies of my sisters and brothers just because you love us. And we thank you for the wonderful name of Jesus and for all you've done. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.